Welcome to The Recovery Show. We are friends and family members of alcoholics and addicts who have found a path to serenity and happiness. We who live or have lived with the seemingly hopeless problem of addiction understand as perhaps few others can. So much depends on our own attitudes, and we believe that changed attitudes can aid recovery. Before we begin, we would like to state that though we and our guests may be in a 12-step program, we represent ourselves rather than the program. During this show, we will share our own experiences as they relate to our topic of blame. The opinions expressed here are strictly those of the person who gave them. Take what you like and leave the rest. We hope that you will find something in our sharing that speaks to your life. My name is Spencer, and I will be your host today. Joining me today is special guest host Erica. Welcome back to The Recovery Show. How are you today, Erica? I'm great. I'm glad to be back. And also next to Erica is a special guest host, Sunshine. Welcome to The Recovery Show, Sunshine. And how are you you today? I'm doing really good. Excited to be here. All right. Well, um, the first segment of today's episode of The Recovery Show will be our discussion of the topic, Blame. Following a musical break, we will talk about our lives in recovery, about what's happening in the meetings we attend and in our lives. We will follow that with brief news about the podcast before closing with another musical break. I want to open with a reading. This is from Courage to Change, page 189. It's Al-Anon Daily Reader. I thought that in every conflict, in every confrontation, someone was invariably at fault. It was essential to assign blame, and I would stew for hours weighing the evidence. I became a chronic scorekeeper. Because I approached every situation with this attitude, I was consumed by guilt and anger. Defensive and anxious, I made sure my own back was always covered. Alanine helps me understand that disputes come up even when everyone is doing their best. Obsessively reviewing everyone's behavior focuses my attention where it doesn't belong and keeps me too busy to have any serenity. Instead, I can consider the part I have played. If I have made mistakes, I am free to make amends. Today, I know that conflict is not necessarily an indication that someone is wrong. Difficulties may just arise. Sometimes people simply disagree. As I said, my name is Spencer. And I'm going to start out um, by uh, asking Erica to reflect back on um, how you blamed other people for their actions maybe before you came into recovery. Uh, I did a lot of blaming. Um, I think that it's interesting that this question is past tense because it's something that I still struggle with. My first instinct is definitely to, when there's a problem or a dispute between me and a loved one, Um, my first instinct is to find out who started it, why they did it. I need to know everything I can about what they did. And my first instinct is to go into that place of victim. Mm -hmm. Because Mm -hmm. if I'm the victim, I don't have to take responsibility for my part in whatever happened. Do you think this has changed? I mean, it's maybe a question for coming a little later in the conversation. but Sure. Um, is, is Do you think you do it less now than, than you did a couple of years ago? I do. Um, once I started a relationship with a sponsor, the first thing that she told me, the first tool she gave me in a dispute with um, the alcoholic in my life at the time was to ask myself, what's my part? Mm-hmm. And I heard it. I was able to hear that message and actually use it. And that's when I started experiencing some of those changes that the program can bring. Just recognizing that I have a part in every interaction. So the reading talked about guilt and anger. Are those emotions that you associate with with blaming somebody for a problem or or maybe blaming yourself? It. If I was able to recognize my part before the program, there was a lot of guilt and shame attached to that. If I could see, for instance, if I was gossiping and mentioned something that I wasn't supposed to mention and I got caught or I realized I did something wrong, it was wrong to do, I immediately would feel so much shame and guilt over my own action instead of just accepting what I did and that it was wrong, I still had that tendency to want to control by really going off to the other end of the spectrum of the feelings and and feeling this immense shame and guilt and crying and apologizing over and over and over to the person that I did it to until it became really awkward. It was not peaceful. It was not a serene way to handle um, accepting my own part in something. 
Sure doesn't sound like it, yeah. Um, <laughs> and actually, before we move on, uh, I, 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 I realized we didn't really, you know, maybe define or say what, what, what do we see blame as? What do we see blame as meaning? How do we perceive it? Do you have a thought on that, Eric, or maybe I should ask Sunshine? Hmm. I was just thinking about that. That's pretty deep. Wow. Yeah. Um, I think it's, for me, um, it's like a fine balance between understanding addiction and alcoholism and understanding kind of know, the medical model, I guess, of it versus blaming that person and um, and or myself, understanding my own illness, um, my own codependency. Um, so when you first came to Al-Anon, um, who in your relationship did you blame for what? Ooh, I definitely blame my ex-husband um, for um, our divorce, for um, my financial ruins, um, for my heartache, um, for me being feeling lost and lonely and feeling like I had nothing. Um, yeah. Did you blame him for his addiction? Absolutely, absolutely. And and did you blame yourself for for anything in that? Yep. Um, what I said, what I did, I shouldn't have done, or I could have done better, or needed to do something differently. Um, I didn't wake him up on time. I didn't fix things. Um, there was so much blame. Absolutely. Did you feel like you should have been able to? fix it and because you couldn't then you were at fault yeah bit. it was you know um he used to say well you know in my career um i help people so he used to say well it, you could help others why can't you help me um so he was blaming you also. oh yeah oh yeah okay oh yeah definitely there were there were definitely times but before i came to the program that that i blamed my loved one for you know her alcoholism I thought, I mean, this the sort of standard thought. Well, you know, if you really loved me, mm -hmm. uh, if she really loved me, she she'd stop. She wouldn't be doing this, and that's a form of blaming. And and I don't, you know, I don't recall really blaming myself for not being able to fix it. But I knew that I felt like I ought to be able to fix it, and that because that wasn't happening, that you know, I wasn't doing my job, or something to that effect. Um, and uh, you know, it takes a long. It took me a long time to get past those feelings, um, to uh, understand really what was possible and what was not possible. And feeling, you know, understanding that something is not possible helps me to get away from assigning blame, because if it really isn't isn't something that I can do or it really isn't something that is in another person's power to do, uh, you know, where do I put the blame? Where do I put the blame? Do I put mm -hmm. the blame on God? Do I put the blame on the universe? Uh, or uh, uh, do, I, do I come to a place where I say, well, you know, we're really, we're just trying to do the best we can. And, uh, um, and, and it's nobody's fault. Uh, maybe. Uh, okay, so let's see. I just want to add to that yeah, real oh, quick. Please. Um, it's interesting because my experience when I got into the program is I was living with someone who was in recovery. And so there was times there where I couldn't decipher between what was alcoholism and what was behavior that he had. And so it was really good for me to come in to the program and hear these messages about what's my part, what's their part what things are beyond both of our control. Mm -hmm. And um, the blame was really easy to assign when there was no active drinking. It was very easy for me to go, well, you did this and you did this mm -hmm. and I'm hurting because of you. And um, so it's it was harder for me to decipher, you know, maybe which of, what part of it sometimes was the alcohol alcoholism in recovery or not. I mean, it's it's alcoholism, and it was hard for me to decipher which was which. So I really clung to the idea of what's my part? 
what can I do now? Um, how am I contributing to this tug of war that's happening in some of our interactions? You know, I heard, I heard a statement there that um, we, I, I know I've said in the past, um, you know, you made me feel this way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to explore that a little bit because I think that's where a lot of, a lot of blame comes from is when we perceive that somebody else's actions made us feel sad, made us feel angry, um, made us unhappy or whatever. And what's the reality there? Can somebody, I don't know. I've heard it said in the program and, and I believe it sometimes that nobody can really make me, feel in a particular way. Nobody can really make me have a particular emotion. I mean, if I might feel disappointed, um, but the unhappiness I think comes from me. Okay. The other person didn't make me unhappy. The other person did something that was not what I wanted. The other person or didn't do something that I wanted, but the sadness, the unhappiness, the anger comes from me. Did, do, you, do you see things that way, maybe, Sunshine, or what do you think? When you were saying that something came up, which was, you know, for me, something came up, which is being mindful of my own feelings. And during this process, before recovery, before Al-Anon, um, I, I had a really hard time even discerning, like, what are my thoughts? What are my feelings? And also this new concept that I've been learning, which is like my gut reaction and the connection with my higher power. And so I felt like when my loved one who was struggling with addiction and alcoholism, when he was happy, I was happy. When he was sad, I was sad. So I took his temperature and I modified my own temperature. Like everything was about working around him and making him happy um, because then that would make me happy. That would make us happy and that would, it would fix everything. <laughs> and what I've learned in the program is, is that, um, that I have thoughts and I have feelings and I have a gut reaction, but also growing up in, um, in a home of a lot of chaos and abuse and addiction, um, in my childhood, I was taught to kind of not feel and to and to really take that temperature at a very young age of other people. So I feel like I've, I'm so grateful for Alanon because it's given me an ability to understand that I have my own thoughts and feelings and, um, and to pay attention to those and then to react to that. Um, but it's still really, it's challenging every day to recognize that, um, I am a person too, and that I am, um, worthy of, love and acceptance and of stopping and understanding that I have a part in it. Um, that people can say or do things and I have reactions to that. But, um, it, in my, I think my gut reaction, my initial reactions, I really feel like I don't have much control over, but I have control over what comes next. I have control over ruminating over and over again on what they say. I have control over, um, loving myself, I have control over you know stopping whatever negative feeling or yelling or screaming or instead of handling it in a positive way I, that I do have control over now, whereas mm-hmm. i didn't feel like I had any control over me or myself or even an understanding of myself before the program. Any thoughts, Erica? I was just thinking about how you were talking, sunshine about taking the temperature and I was nodding my head because I do think that blame is definitely tied into that, that, um, giving our feelings a lot of power. And so, um, I would either not want to feel them or I was more likely to go the opposite direction where I would give my feelings so much power that I almost would get, um, Someone in the program calls it lamenta hall. I would pick up the lamenta hall. I would lament and lament and lament over something until it, I, go, I don't know. It didn't really solve anything, but it felt good to just keep feeling and feeling and feeling and letting this despair keep happening um, because then I didn't have to take responsibility for what I did. 
And so the blame was definitely tied into that because if I blamed someone else or if I blamed society or whatever I chose at the time to blame, um, I could, I could feel sad and I could feel good about feeling sad. I could be like, I'm right. And I'm, I'm justified feeling this way. Justification. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I was at a workshop recently and the, um, the presenter was talking about the difference, uh, between feelings and emotions that, and this was a definition that he had that, um, I liked the distinction. I mean, whatever words you put on it. Um, but he said, you know, the feeling is, is what comes up in you. It's, it's your, you know, gut reaction, as you said, um, he said the emotion is the story you put on that feeling. Yeah. So emotion is feelings plus a story. So the story here is I'm justified in feeling <laughs> sad. Um, mm-hmm. Or the story is, you know, you always do that and it makes me so angry. Oh, yeah. Uh, the story is you've disappointed me yet again. Um, and and he said, that's where we have a choice. We don't really have a choice about the initial feeling. We don't have the choice about the, the disappointment, the anger, the surprise, the um, whatever it might be. But we do have a choice about the story. And, and that story can be a story of blame, uh, which it has been so often, <laughs> I think, for, for all of us. Um, so I want to move on to, and, and we've been talking, you guys have been talking a lot about um, you know, seeing our part. Uh, and I want to just look at some of the ways that, that we get past blaming, that we, we move into a more healthy way of uh, responding and reacting to other people's actions. And um, one of the things that occurred to me, and, and this was particularly relevant to me with regards to my alcoholic, was that as I came to understand sort of the physical basis for alcoholism, that, that alcoholism was a mental disease that uh, was not a choice. It was not, it was not something that she was doing to me. It was not something that she was doing in spite of me. It was something that, um, you know, was the, the way that her body reacted to alcohol was um, causing her to, uh, to act in certain ways. And, um, you know, starting to understand that uh, meant that it was harder for me to say, you're doing this on purpose. You're deliberately uh, going out there and, and, you know, getting drunk to embarrass me or whatever it might be. Uh, and uh, so that was one thing that helped me in, uh, in not assigning blame as strongly. And eventually... Uh, I came to a point of really understanding that there was not a blame there, uh, that it it was the way that it was, and that if she had... uh, The the disease that's always used in these comparisons is diabetes, because diabetes is very clearly a disease of the body, but it's a disease that cannot be cured. It's a disease that is only arrested and treated and alcoholism is a disease of the mind and the spirit that has that same characteristic for most people who suffer from it, that it, it can't be cured, but it can be arrested, it can be treated. And so making that analogy for me, you know, if she had diabetes, I wouldn't blame her for not being able to eat cookies and ice cream. <laughs> uh, you know, And for me not being able to eat cookies and ice cream because we couldn't have them in the house because... Right. Okay, that's not her fault. That's th- that's the disease, and and that's reality, and we have to work with it, just as um, any other aspect of our life. We have to live within that. You know, I live in a particular house in a particular neighborhood, and I could make a big effort to live in a different house in a different neighborhood. But as long as I'm living in that house in that neighborhood, I have to live within. The, those constraints. So I have particular transportation patterns. On football Saturdays, there are particular times of day when I don't try to leave the house, uh, etc. And and I can't blame the University of Michigan for having football games. Mm-mm. 
and I can't blame the people who come to the football games for parking on my street in front of my house (laughs) because I chose to live in that house on that street knowing that that would happen. Uh, And even if I hadn't known it was going to happen, it still is, is something that it just is, and it's not anybody's fault. And which, you know, doesn't prevent me from coming home in the evening and seeing somebody parked in the place that I usually park in front of my house and, and saying somewhat ironically, uh, knowing that it's, it's a silly thing, I say, ah, they're parking in my space. Like, don't they know that's my parking space? Um, and then I go park somewhere else. <laughs> uh, have, have you guys um, found um, any, anything similar in your life to... to Replacing blame with acceptance of reality. For me, the thing that keeps sticking out in my head when I when I start to go to blame and when I start to judge and criticize other people, um, I start to assess what they're doing. I do this a lot with my family, my loved ones, my friends that I'm very close to. Um, if I don't agree with what they're doing, I have to first recognize that I may not have the answers for them. Um, I'm not this all-knowing person that knows everything that's right in the universe. Um, I have to, I mean, I have to recognize my own inability to read others' minds, inability to know what's best for people. And then uh, my sponsor very early on also gave me another very helpful phrase, and um, it's remembering when someone is doing something that I think is going to lead to something bad and I'm very concerned, she says, well, she or he is doing the best they can with what they have. And so that helped early on in my relationship with the alcoholic who showed me Al-Anon because he wasn't actively drinking. Um, and so, but he was early on in sobriety, you know, in the first couple of years and he had been drinking for a very long time in his life, and so he was relearning how to do a lot of things in sobriety the best he had, the best he could with what he had. You know, he was doing the things he needed to do when he needed to do them, if he was compelled to do them, and he was moving forward. I wasn't happy with the pace that he was moving forward, but um, he was doing the best he could and recognizing that other people might not have the tools I have. They might not have the per- a perspective that I think they should have, and they might not think something is right or wrong that I think is right or wrong. Um, and so just remembering that other people are human too and they make mistakes just like me is very important for getting rid of that tendency to go towards blame and towards um, it's your fault, it's your fault. For instance, with the parking situation, mm-hmm. the person coming... They're doing the best to find the parking space they can <laughs> to get to the game. It's very important for them, and uh, that's the best they've got at that time. They, they may not be able to see that this is someone else's parking space that would make their life very convenient if they had it, you know? Yep, and I know that if I drive away from my house on football Saturday, <laughs> I am not going to park in front of the house. When I, I'm not going to park anywhere in the neighborhood when I get home. Right. You know, we're just going to stack the yep. cars up in the driveway. That's all we're going to be able to do. Um, which doesn't mean that if somebody comes and parks and blocks my driveway, that I won't call the tow truck. Yeah. Um, because that's, you know, then they're stepping out of, sort of normal behavior and being deliberately rude to me, making it so I can't even get my car into my own driveway. Um, Luckily, I've never had to do that. Um, We have had some cases where people got towed because they were overlapping the driveway, but it wasn't because I called. Um, Sunshine. I think for me, it's the challenge of that middle ground of not pointing the finger at them and not pointing the finger at me, but just knowing... um, it is what it is, kind of. Um, and also, trusting in my higher power um, is really hard in that in that sense. Um, but something that I've been really working on and knowing that, um, how do I put it, that I don't have to, there doesn't have to be a blame, um, a right or a wrong, that it could be a, a middle ground it, of a, a just is. And 
when I can be there and just be in the moment, um, I think that's when I feel the most peaceful. But it's so hard to remember that my higher power is putting me in a place where I need to be. And and also I'm learning from it, even if I don't want to admit I'm learning from it. Um, but there's, I mean, this old habit, it's just, it's just so natural for me to try to figure out what's going on. And I, th- and I think what I've been learning too is that, um, you know, these defense mechanisms were created for a reason when I was younger. Um, and um, living with people who struggle with alcoholism um, and addiction and also my part in that. Um, but that at one point in time, these were defenses that kept me safe, that it kept me really, frankly, alive um, to figure out who's at fault and what do I need to do. If it's your fault, then great, what do I need to do to fix that? If it's my fault, great, what do I need to do to fix that? Um, I'm I'm older. Um, I'm no, I can keep myself safe. And I'm no longer having to be in this constant um, vigilance of safety. And so I have to remind myself of that, too, that I am in control over me, and I can keep myself safe. I can keep healthy boundaries. Um, and I don't have to blame or, you know, like you were saying, Spencer, that that story that you you tell people or you tell yourself or, you know, in your mind that's going on, I can I can choose to say, eh, you know, like you, the football analogy that, you know, they're just trying to park, um, you know. and They just want to go to the they game. They just want to go to the game, <laughs> exactly. Um, versus, oh, they're just trying to tick me off and they're doing everything that they can to get in my way today and oh, I hate the world and, you know, what's wrong with you, my higher power God, you know, what are you doing to me? Why, why, why me, 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 and wah, wah, wah. Oh, you know? why me? That's a, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I love that you brought in the higher power piece too, Sunshine. I think that it's really important for me to incorporate a higher power. It, I can go through it in my head, but that takes a lot longer um, to rational to, to rationalize it. For me, having a higher power that is taking care of me and that I can trust, you know, and give my will and my life over to, that helps me get be in those situations and, and just accept it as, okay, I need to experience this, especially when I can't make sense of a situation. When if I feel that someone is being very um, manipulative or mean or doing behavior that I think is really unacceptable, I can say, what there's something I'm going to learn from this. Maybe I don't know what now, but I don't have to really worry about blame. I can just trust that my higher power will show me eventually what there is to learn from this negative reaction or negative situation, I should say. Yeah. And I just want to just quickly say, sorry, Spencer, that I also have learned in the program though, that there are certain things that just are unacceptable. Right. And so, you know, coming into the program where um, I did struggle with um, domestic violence and a couple other really crazy things, um, that that's never okay. And so I, I'm not saying that, you know, that, that there's no blame or that, that, you know, you need to find a middle ground and find the positive in that at all. Um, you know, that's where the healthy boundaries and understanding what's acceptable and what's not and your, your part in things and, and when there's not a part in it, I think so. I think there are some very clear situations where yeah. one person is in the wrong. Um, and, and I really liked what you had to say about the, um, you know, sort of looking uh, for when you're talking about being safe and you're talking about, you know, using your judgment to see, like, if there was something there that, that you needed to change, that you needed to change the situation or something to keep yourself safe. And I think that's, that is, that's sort of the positive side of um, the judgment that we do that often leads to blame. Almost every character defect is an asset that's been turned up too far. Mm-hmm. So healthy judgment is a good thing. When you turn that knob up to 11 <laughs> and you just use it to say it's your fault or it's my fault and there's no middle ground in most cases, uh, in most cases there is a middle ground, but we can turn that knob way up and we don't see we just see black and white. We don't see any gray. Mm-hmm. And we need to turn it back down to where most of the time it's gray. And then when it comes out black or white, we know that there really is something going on that we, we need to pay more attention to. 
and and that's something that I think the program has really helped me with is this ability to to more carefully um, assess my part, the other person's part, God's part. Okay, and part of it is not either of our fault. Uh, and and I you know I don't really even like that word very much anymore, because like you said, most people are doing the best they can most of the time. Um, and I, I was thinking about you know I have a couple of well they're not teenagers anymore, um, but I have I have a couple of of young adult children, and a couple of years ago, uh, my daughter called me in the middle of the day. And I could hear the stress in her voice. Um, she had backed our car that she was driving into the side of somebody else's car that was parked on the side of the street while she was trying to turn around in a driveway. And I could kind of hear that she was just waiting for me to you know, yell at her. Like, how the hell could you do something like that? Something so stupid. And, you know, that's not what I did. I said... You know, I don't remember exactly, you know, well, gee, I'm sorry that happened, and let's move forward from this. What do you need to do? What are, what are, what are your next steps that you need to do? You need to call the insurance company. Um, you need to leave a note on the person's car with your contact information so that, you know, they can get a hold of you so that you can tell the insurance company, et cetera. And so I didn't have to go into that emotional story about, she, you know, this was like the third accident, third backing up accident she'd had in that car, okay? And I could have very easily gone into this story about how you always, you know, do this. And, and, and I didn't have to go there. And that was good for me because I didn't get all wound up. It was good for her because she was able to pay attention to what was important at that moment, which was doing what she could about the situation she was in. I did say, maybe we need to schedule some practice time backing up. Okay. Uh, and so I think before I came to al and there's a whole bunch wrapped up in that it's not just this sort of learning to look at, you know, what's an appropriate response. Um, there's a whole bunch of like clearing out my emotions that had been stuffed for so long where I was just full of anger all the time. Uh, and and other things like that. But before I came to Al-Anon, that happened, I probably just would have exploded. And it wouldn't have done either of us any good, and it wouldn't have done the car any good either. Hmm. Um, so um, I don't know where else I'm going with that. <laughs> uh, any of you guys have any thoughts around that idea? I have a question here that says, how have you learned to detach or forgive rather than blame it? Well, one of the things that comes to mind is a story about another al- alcoholic in my life that I care for a lot. She, I don't see her as often as I would like to um, at all anymore, really. I've kind of um, decreased the amount of contact I have with this person because we got into a situation where her response was violence and I was the target. And um, immediately because of the coming to the program for at that point about a year and a half or so and knowing some of the things that other people have done in those situations and knowing what I know about alcoholism and it's and that it's a disease that she can't control and she can't cure on her own or she can't cure period right in that situation you know it helped me calm myself down even though I could have gotten very very angry and very I mean I did feel anger mm-hmm. But I didn't react on it. I removed myself from the situation. I called someone. Um, I was calm when I when I could. I didn't stay calm the whole time, but I, I stayed calm for most of it. Mm-hmm. And I I have resentment, but it doesn't. I'm I did not obsess over it the way that I would have in years prior to coming to the program. And just remembering that she has a disease. She's sick, and she um, hopefully will get better, but it's not my job to to try to make her get better, to try to make herself want to get better. And it's not my job to take care of anybody like that. That's an impossible responsibility to take care of other people and their alcoholism and whatever 
issues maybe plaguing them at the time. And um, so while she's in sort of the effects of her alcoholism, um, you have to detach or you have detached uh, to say, I, I can't see you, mm-hmm. I can't be with you, or to put very strict boundaries around how you can be with her at, at any given time. Is that? Well, and, and, and after a while, it just hurts too much to see right. the love, the people you love doing things that I know that I know she would never want to do these things. She didn't remember doing it. And she has no idea that she did do it. I mean, and she hears me saying it, but she doesn't remember it. And mm-hmm. she doesn't mm-hmm. um, know for sure. And I can't, I, it's hard to watch somebody you care about so much keep doing these things. And so part of it is for my own, taking care of myself, putting my own gas mask on and saying, what do I need to do here mm-hmm. to feel serenity? And um, one of those- Feel safe. Yeah, and, and feel safe. And one of those things is to- step back from the relationship, maybe, you know, cut off contact for a little while. If I feel like I want to make contact again, I can. That's a choice I have. And um, remembering that, you know, her higher power is taking care of her. And I hope, you know, for the best for her. And none of these things are permanent. I don't have to cut off off contact with this loved one for forever. It doesn't have to be forever. And that, you know, that's that black and white thinking that I had before the program is mm-hmm. once I made a decision, it was forever and I could never go back. And um, now I can say, is this working for me right now? Yes or no. And right now it's it's still working for me to have limited, limited contact. Maybe one day it, it will be something I want to change. And and did you find that, that your detachment um, helped you to, to sort of get through the blame, blaming her for what she did. It's helping me get helping through get the blame. Through um, I'm still working okay. on that situation. Yeah, and, and that's the beauty of the program is that we don't have to, the situations can just be as they are. And I can be uncomfortable with the um, lack of resolve that's going on in, in, in situations like this. They're, they're really, I mean, especially with divorce and breakups and, or even death, you know, yeah. you don't have to have a resolve. Um, and that's one of the things that someone told, you know, I, the message I got very early on in the program is it doesn't have to be this conclusion, this, you know, final sentence or denouement to the end of the story that says, you know, this is what happened and this is what is. And it can be, things can be uncertain and it can be okay now. Okay. I want to play um, a voicemail that we got from our friend Mark. This is Mark from recoveredcast.com and I'm calling in regards to your topic this week which is blame. I never realized how much blaming I did in my life until my alcoholic got in recovery. I quickly found out that when I have a practicing alcoholic in my life there's never any doubt who's to blame and I practice that apparently a lot. Thanks. Love your show. So, what do you think about what Mark said? Any uh, thoughts there? It it definitely touches back to what I was saying about living with sobriety. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's so tough. And I think I'm just kind of still caught up, I think, with what you were saying, Erica, because it was so powerful in thinking about my own situation. Mm-hmm. Like with my, with my birth mother. And so when I came into the program, it was more focused on my husband at the time and then realizing that I have a lot more people who struggle with alcoholism and addiction in my life than I'd really thought. And currently working on kind of my my thoughts about my birth mother and the blame and, you know, like just getting so used to being in the, the mode of like pointing fingers at her for her inability or what I figured was her inability because something was wrong with me, but like working on understanding that it wasn't necessarily my fault it was doing, she was doing the best that she could, but it's such an old hat to continue to blame, to right. continue to point fingers. Yeah. So I think I'm, when you were saying kind of how do you deal with that and how do you set healthy boundaries and um, you know, just what it is right now. And I think that 
you know, right now I'm working through those feelings. And then who knows, maybe, you know, I don't know, maybe way down the road, maybe one of 80, 90 things will work out. I don't know, or maybe not. But exactly what the program has taught me with this is that it's progress, not perfection. And it's one day at a time and it's okay. And this is something you've probably been carrying for a long time. Absolutely. Right? And yeah. that has really, I feel like has almost like eaten me up and like, like, yeah, it's just, it's powerful. And so to be able to uncover that and then to say like, I don't have to blame myself um, every single day. Ooh, getting terrible. <laughs> It's, it's so, you, so you blamed yourself for the fact that your mother couldn't keep you. Absolutely. Wow. Wow. Because cause I was thinking I, I would have put the blame in the other direction. You know, what was wrong with her? Yeah, that one that one has uh, got to be a little tough. Yeah. Gotta be. But because of the program, it's okay. Like, yeah. I, can, I can be sad and then I'll be okay. You know, it's like... That's another, like, a beauty. Like, I'm not alone in this program, never alone anymore. I can always pick up the phone and call, call my sponsor, call some wonderful friends, the two of you. Like, you know, everybody is there. And so I can work through this, and, and it's going to be okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, I, it reminds me of a, you know, I'm on Facebook the other day, and a young friend of mine who I don't know, you know, really well posted this thing about how everything was just really horrible in her life right then. And she was really regretting some decisions she'd made about the direction she wanted to take in her life and stuff. I thought about similar thoughts that I've had about my life. Like, well, why did I, why did I make this choice? Why did I do this thing? And I can blame myself for that. I can say, wow, that was a really stupid thing to do. Why did you do that? Or I can and I work on this. I work on this sometimes daily with some of the things that, that I've done in the past. I can forgive myself because I really was at the time doing the best I could with what I knew, with who I was at the time. Uh, and, and some of these things are maybe 30 years ago. And I was not the same person 30 years ago. I'm not the same person I was 10 years ago. Thank God to the program, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, But it's still easy for me to point that finger back at me and say, why did you do that? Why did you make that decision? Why did you you know, take that job? Why did you go to that school? And there's no answer. There's really no answer to that. And there's no blame there can, because that only gets me into a, into a spiral. And so I've been working on accepting that. And this is, for me, this is a lot of where my higher power comes into it because my God is a God of love, unconditionally. And if God can love me for who I am, for what I did, for who I was, why can I not love myself for, for that same, um, you know, for that same person that I was and the person that I am now? You know, I'm not God. I'm, I'm human. I'm fallible. And, and, and it's, it's a big job. But I keep trying to do it. And, and I had this insight about Step three, that by turning my will and my life over to the care of my higher power, my higher power is asking me to see other people through his eyes, to see other people with eyes of love. And so I was kind of thinking about that this week, the last couple of weeks, and Friday at the Friday night meeting, somebody shared about also not only being gentle on other people, but being gentle on herself. And like this little light bulb went on in my head, like, oh, you know, God wants me to look at myself through his eyes too. It's not just about looking at other people. It's not just about seeing other people as children of God and as, and as fallible human beings, but also as seeing myself in the same way. And to some extent, you know, that's been a, that's been a thread for me throughout my recovery. Once I got past the blaming my alcoholic for getting me here in the first place, and to the point of, you know, really thanking her alcoholism for getting me here. To when we do our, our ninth step in Al-Anon, the book says, you know, one of the first people we need to make amends to is ourselves. And that's one of the hardest people for me to make amends to, to not blame myself for what I've done in the past. It's really hard. Mm-hmm. I want to uh, go one more round here and just try to close up with uh, thinking about tools that we use today 
instead of blaming ourselves or others when we feel unhappy and resentful? Um, I mean, I, I mentioned a few of them, and I think it's they really work for me, you know, remembering that first and foremost that, you know, this situation is happening because it needs to happen for some reason. Mm-hmm. And um, my higher power would, wouldn't let something, wouldn't give me something that I couldn't handle. Um, so, you know, that self-love piece comes in too, is um, remembering that um, I'm important. And like you said, Sunshine, I'm important. I'm a person. And so I can have an opinion. I mean, I can be a part of this life that I have for me. You know, I, I can be a part of my life and I can make choices. So that's another tool, like the choices piece, remembering when I feel like my schoolwork is weighing me down and it's all my professor's fault for giving me all this work to do, I can then, you know, someone will remind me, oh, well, what, what's the other option? Quit school? No, no, I don't want to quit school. Oh, okay. <laughs> so like you're my- choosing to be in school. These are the mm-hmm. things that come from, you know, your choices. You're choosing to get passing grades, so you, you need to do the work. And, and just like with yeah. recovering the program, if you want to get better, you have to, you have to make the choices based the best you can based on what you know. And um, that helps. It helps with the blame piece. It helps with, you know, a lot of the negative feelings and um, remembering that other people are humans too and that I'm, not, I'm no better than anybody else around me. I, everybody has things going on and issues going on. Everybody's, you know, walking and taking this journey through life. Um, remembering that helps me to eliminate some of the tendency for me to blame, point my finger at other people. Absolutely. So what tools do you use, Sunshine? All that. And <laughs> um, I think it's forgiveness um, of myself a lot right now, um, working more on and looking at my higher power, knowing that all of this stuff has brought me to a place where I can be a better person. I can actually be a person. I use just use so many tools. I use I sponsor, I use friends in the program. I'm really working on just kind of the the old hat stuff, I call it, or the old tapes that play in my head, recognizing when that does happen and understanding that I can do something about it. Um, recently in a, um, in a meeting, they were talking about the kind of the child within or the inner child, um, understanding that I have this like little inner child that's gone through these things and um, and when I'm getting anxious, um, to be able to say, you know, okay, adult self, like, you know, it's okay, you know, and you, you got this. Um, detaching with love and understanding that I can have relationships with others who are struggling um, or, or or doing well, and I have a, a place and I can set boundaries at any point in time. Um, understanding that I can look at someone with love and acceptance no matter where they're at, but I can also do the same thing for me taking risk where in the past I would not take any risk because of fear, you know, the fear of failure, or even the fear of success. So, you know, these, there's so many things with this. Um, I feel like blame also has for me a lot to do with the shame it's connected and then, and then the connection of control. So when it's occurring, helping myself recognize how they're connected and then using all of those tools that I have in the program. Wow, thanks. I don't. I don't think I have a whole lot to add to what you guys said. The only thing that, <laughs> that occurred to me is one of the things that that Al-Anon has done for me is it's it's helped me to find a center. It's helped me to find a place where where I can stand and be who I am, and be you know have a have a core of serenity. And when I'm coming from that place, it's a lot easier to see the gray, and I don't have to point a finger and say it's all your fault or it's all my fault. So we're going to take a, a short break here and we'll come back with our lives in recovery. Our uh, music here is a song called How Could You by the band Saliva. And I tell you, you know, this song is just a blame fest. Here's some of the, the lyrics. I think this is the chorus. You're sucking me down. It makes me feel I'm going to drown. It's killing me now. All you do is bring me down all this time and all your lives. It has been no surprise. I'm addicted to every single thing you do. I'm dying in 
This section of the podcast, we talk about our lives in recovery, what's happening in our meetings and in our lives this week. Erica? Nothing particularly um, grand stands out, but um, I attended a meeting on Wednesday night that brought up the third step type talk- topic and something that's really been going through my head a lot lately in terms of my recovery is the word trust. So what is step three? Step three is made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. And Thank you for putting me on the spot like that. <laughs> yeah, good job. Okay, and, and so that really brings in the, the question of trust, doesn't yes, it? Yes, it does. Trust, and I, I'm, I'm just keeping it at trust, period. Trusting in my higher power, trusting the people in my life, trusting that I'll get the things that I need, trusting that when I go to meetings, I'm hearing things that I need to hear, um, and I think it just it's good for me to have one word in my head mm-hmm. that can sum up one step. And for me, it's right now, it is trust. I've also been able to start sponsoring some women, and it's been very, very rewarding for me to sit and listen to people talk about what where they're at in their lives, what kind of issues are going on. And it's been wonderful to listen and to watch some of these women, you know, get some of these new messages that I got, you know, very early on. And it's really nice to have an intimate relationship with someone where they can tell you what's going on and they can trust you. And it reminds me of that higher power piece and the trust piece and and knowing that it can be there without any conditions. The trust can be there without any, I'll trust if this, 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 I'll trust you if this, 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 it just can be there and seeing other people trust me with their feelings and emotions about their life helps me to trust others and helps me to trust my higher power absolutely thanks sunshine Uh, this week let's see um i had a really good week with um, a combination of working on taking risk so i started um, a business and been growing that and i've also been able to go to a meeting and i'm also in an awol group which is um, a way of life or a way of living um, i've heard it both ways where we a group of um, people work the steps and i'm working on my fourth step and always a challenge oh yeah oh yeah pretty heavy but really awesome we were talking to another member and you're we saying how like it's exciting to work them work the steps but yet it, it's um, draining some days so I had a moment this week where I was feeling really good and things were going well. And then I had like a panic, like, oh my gosh, I'm feeling good. Things are going well. Like what? <laughs> this is not normal. <laughs> Waiting for the shoe to drop. Huh? <laughs> yes. Yes. And so it was good because then I went to a meeting and I got grounded again and it was like, it's okay that things are going good and it's going to be, you know, and, but also knowing that it's not, you know, life, this is just life and there, there's going to be tough days. So, uh, you know, how to, how to balance that when, when there's not so much drama and, and things are going well to just really accept it and love it and embrace it. Um, but also to know that it's it's normal to have tough days too. So just because there's tough days doesn't mean that everything's going to be like, ah, you know, and back to way it was where I felt so unmanageable. So mm-hmm. it's been a really interesting week, but a, an exciting week too. So I'm looking forward to the next week. 
Cool. Well, I talked about my experience in a meeting on Friday uh, with a sort of illumination around step three. And uh, I also had a couple of experiences this week that sort of tie back to our topic of last week, which was asking for help. Somebody recommended to me a TED Talk by Amanda Palmer, who is a punk rock musician, uh, and it's titled The Art of Asking. And I thought, well, wow, this really ties into, you know, asking for help. And, you know, she was talking about it in a slightly different context, but the sort of core of it was that by asking, we build connections. And in her case, it's about, as a musician, asking for support, not taking it as something that people owe her, but that's something that she asks for. It, it's a, it, I thought it was, it was a really moving talk for me. I, I highly recommend it. It's about you know, 15 or 20 minutes. I mean, TED Talks are not real long, right? That's the, that's the great thing about them. You get this little hunk of wisdom. The other thing that, that came through this week goes back to two weeks ago when we were talking about shame. And we, uh, uh, in the podcast, we talked about uh, Brene Brown's work on shame and vulnerability. And she's I've been on Oprah. That. I guess she was on Oprah last Sunday, and she's oh. going to be on Oprah again today. And so uh, I got a link to that. And she had a, a little essay that went with it where she talked about a move-a-body friend. This was a, a phrase that a friend of hers used, called her up and said, you're a move-a-body friend. And she said, what does that mean? She said, well, she said, I, I had this experience where my mother-in-law was visiting, and she's an alcoholic, and she passed out. Uh, in the middle of the living room, and I needed to move her to the bedroom. And I called a friend that I knew would just come over and help me move her <laughs> without being judgmental, without mm-hmm. saying, wow, how did that happen? Just come and do it. And and uh, and I really like that concept. And, you know, I've, I've found some move-a-body friends in this program. I'm not sure I had any before that. Uh, so that was, that was that, those are the highlights of my week. So next week... We're going to be talking about trusting the process. So trust comes in again. A lot of trust going on here. And we'll be welcoming a special guest, Anne H., to help us uh, look at that, that topic, that question. We'll welcome your thoughts, too. You can join the conversation. Please leave us a voicemail or send us an email with your experience or questions about trusting the process. You can, you can do what Mark did. You know, he recorded a voice memo on his iPhone and then emailed it to us. So he kind of got the voicemail email thing all in one. <laughs> Erica, how can people send us feedback? Well, you can call and leave us a voicemail at 734-707-8795. Just put the podcast on pause and join the conversation at 734-707-8795. If you prefer not to use your voice, you can send us an email to feedback at com. We'd love to hear from you. Share your experience, strength, and hope or your questions about today's topic of blame or next week's topic of trusting the process. If you have a topic you'd like us to talk about, let us know, please. Sunshine, where can our listeners find out more about The Recovery Show? Our website, therecoveryshow.com, has all the information about the show, including notes for each episode, a blog with daily meditations, links to the music we play, and a page to which we periodically post recordings of Al-Anon open talk speakers. We've also got a few links to other recovery podcasts and websites um, that we like. Another way to contribute to the content of the broadcast and the website is to leave comments on the show notes or on the blog. Just hop on over to therecoveryshow.com and enter the conversation there. And we got a couple of emails this week. We did. We got an email from Annie, and she writes, Hi there. I am new to downloading podcasts, and by accident, quote, I downloaded your program to my iPhone. What a blessing. I listened as much as I could to your podcast, usually at night when my world is quiet and my alcoholic is in bed. It was so refreshing to hear others in the same boat share their experiences. How enlightened I became and realized what I did not know. I was going crazy trying to control my alcoholic husband, trying to control the amount he drank and staying home, not going anywhere with anyone Knowing if I stayed home, he would likely, quote, behave. And that's something that we've heard 
I've heard in meetings. Been there, mm-hmm. done that. Yep. Um, she continues on to say, one night I was listening to your program on detachment in the middle of the night when my alcoholic walked in my room on a rampage looking for alcohol and woke me up to ask me if I had any alcohol. Had I started listening to your podcast earlier, he never would have woken me up because I would have learned to leave the alcoholic alone and not to attempt to control their drinking. He would have known I didn't have any, and I could have likely slept uninterrupted. (laughs) So already my life is changing. I am starting to make plans without my alcoholic, and it feels scary, but great. My life must go on if he chooses to be stagnant or go backward. So that's, that's really powerful. She also says that she got through listening. She just got through listening to the podcast on reaching out for help. And she says, that is a tough one for me because I am in a small town. Thus, I have suffered alone and thankfully now have your podcast to help me. And I am so grateful to have come across them. They have been a huge source of strength and inspiration. And I hope you can keep them coming. Love, Annie from Canada. Powerful. We wrote back to Annie with several suggestions where she could find meetings online, and we'll put those links in the show notes at therecoveryshow.com slash 16. So make sure you check out the website if you haven't yet. It's got a lot of helpful tools and resources on there. And Susan writes, I stumbled across your podcast quite by accident or maybe through an intervention of my HP or higher power. I live in Canada and absolutely love your podcast show. I have recommended it to Al-Anon friends and non-Al-Anon friends. I download the shows to the USB and listen uh, listen to it on my car um, drive to and from work. So I always have a meeting at hand. I love the format too with the music breaks. I would be interested in hearing um, a show on Al-Anon slogans, gratitude, their traditions, and the serenity prayer. Keep up the, the great work and please add more speakers to the website. The daily meditations are a great addition to my daily readings. Thanks. And thank you very much, Susan. Um, we're doing this for you. And I just uh, noticed that both of our email uh, in, uh, came from Canada this week. Uh, great to see we're getting uh, some uptake uh, north of the border there. <laughs> and uh, and thanks, Susan, for the, uh, the show suggestions. Uh, mm-hmm. I think uh, we had most of those on our list of someday uh, do a show. I think the Serenity Prayer was not on that list, so that's a, really a great addition. And I will be getting more speakers up there. I just every 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 week we read this thing about yes, and we have speakers, and I'm like, oh yeah, I got to put another speaker up, which means I have to go out and find find one that I like. If you guys got any suggestions, you know, I'm open to that. And just in case you're wondering why why Kelly and Swetha aren't here this week, well, they're both on vacation. Okay, <laughs> um, yeah. We got two new reviews on iTunes this week. Rebecca writes, thank you from a shy newcomer. This is a great podcast. Sometimes my mind runs a million miles a minute, and it is a gift to be able to pause, rewind, and rewind again. I still have a hard time sharing at meetings. Hmm. These podcasts are great for sharpening my tools in between meetings. Thank you, and a little heart. And uh, you're right, Rebecca. You know, I hadn't thought about the rewind thing, but I do use that when I'm listening to podcasts. I'm like, wait, what did they just say? And I can, you know, with the uh, podcast app that I have on my iPad, there's like a, you know, rewind 30 seconds or something and I just hit that button and 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 hear it over again um, so that's that's a great note to, to think about and uh, the other review we got from Carrie this podcast is so great I feel like I've gotten to know some new friends and teachers through the show I'm pretty new to the program and with a one-year-old it's hard to get to more than one meeting a week this podcast is a great little voice of encouragement in my ear as I go through my day helping me stay connected to my recovery thanks guys and I want to just say thanks to both of you and thanks to everyone who came and gave us a, a rating as well because those reviews and ratings help us to move up in the rankings and make the podcast easier for other people like you to find uh, when when you're looking for help. And, you know, accidentally, I love this. I came across your podcast mm-hmm. by accident. Okay, and we're going to close the show with a, a, a very appropriately titled song. It's Blame Me, Blame Me by the group Anne Berlin. I really can't tell here whether the singer is accepting blame for stuff the other person did or complaining that the other person is blaming him, but in either case, seemed quite appropriate. Here's a, again, I think this is the chorus. Is, blame me, blame me, blame me for mistakes you've made but you can't own. Hate me, hate me, hate me for every honest word that you've postponed.
Thank you for listening, and please keep coming back. Whatever your problems, there are those among us who have had them too. If we did not talk about a problem you are facing today, feel free to contact us so we can talk about it in a future episode. May understanding, love, and peace grow in you one day at a time.